0: good morning our dear friends all over the world this is scott holtz reporting to you live from israel on this audio podcast you have your bibles i encourage you to turn to a few sections of scripture uh, this wonderful day and to give you a nine-one-one warning today is the 11th of excuse me the 9th of november which in hebrew the way they do the calendar here, it makes it. If you read it, it's nine one one, so to speak. But anyway, let's take that little uh, abbreviation of the day's date on the Israeli newspaper heading nine one one, and let's apply it to ourselves. There's some really powerful things happening. Really powerful um, supernatural forces descending upon the earth right now. We want to warn you, give you the information, the heads up to avoid at all costs what is happening in planet earth right now. This is not a test. This is a 9-1 warning, brothers and sisters. You have your Bibles, turn open with me to the book of Proverbs, uh, to 1 Corinthians, and also the book of Revelation. Let's first of all talk about some exciting things here in Proverbs chapter 8, talking about wisdom, wisdom being personified as a woman. Why? I'll get to that in just a moment. But it says in verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence i read for the new american standard i find knowledge and discretion the fear of the lord is to hate evil pride arrogance and the evil way the perverted mouth i hate counsel is mine sound wisdom i am understanding power is mine by me kings reign and rulers decree justice by me princes rule and nobles and all who judge rightly i love those who love me and those who seek me early or diligently that's the hebrew word shachar will find me riches and honor are with me enduring wealth and righteousness my fruit is better than gold even pure gold my yield and choice is silver i walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that i may fill their treasuries hallelujah verse 22 is one of my favorites it says the lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old so what we see here in proverbs chapter 8 Writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Solomon is actually moving into a realm of catching glimpses through a dark, through a riddle, so to speak, but catching glimpses of the pre Genesis world. What was the world like before creation? Hallelujah. Before the dawn of civilization, before Genesis chapter one. And we see here that there is this incredible possession of God's wisdom his spirit possessing this writer hallelujah and it's talking about before there was the scribe to circle in the deep before there was the first dust of the earth before there was any water vapor before the springs abounded with liquid water h2o before all of this stuff hallelujah there was this delightful master workman hallelujah and his delight was creating the sons of men and the word there, delight, it's misacheket, uh, means to frolic and play, and it's from the root word yitzak to laugh. And it's incredible. This is an incredible. It shows us a portal into the glory realm of this extreme joy, unfathomable wisdom, this place of joy and laughter and frolicking that the Master had ordained the universe to be on that pattern hallelujah yet in the midst of this glorious event there's a warning verse 32 now therefore sons listen to me many people ask uh, in the first commandment is love the first commandment is not love brothers and sisters they asked the messiah and they asked him what is the first commandment and he said hear o israel and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind and your neighbor the same way meaning the first commandment is to listen is to pay attention i love the hebrew phrase you know in your listening listen many of you are hearing the sound of my voice right now but are you really listening or are you multitasking got other things going on you need to listen slowly because We're coming to you with a very strong prophetic anointing today. The same anointing that God told me to stand in front of the false Messiah's headquarters in Brooklyn and blow the shofar, that he was a false prophet and he died suddenly 60 seconds later to to the entire bewilderment of the Lubavitch uh, movement. The same anointing that's told us to travel and blow the shofar of warning and atmospheric disturbances, the dead raised, signs and wonders terrorists captured all types of things exploits this is the anointing we come to you humbly yet we come to you fiercely zealously and extremely motivated for the truth a love for the truth hallelujah so in that vein i preach this to you today if you have ears to hear hear what the spirit is saying now therefore sons listen to me blessed are those who keep my ways heed instruction and be wise do not neglect it blessed is a man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorpost. For he who finds life finds me and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself, and all those who hate me love death. It's very, very powerful to see this here. First of all, those who find me find life and obtain favor from the Lord. But the way to find him is to listen and to wait at his doorposts and his gates this is the imagery of the bondservant a servant who had gained his freedom in exodus okay and decides i love my master more than my own freedom and comes back and pierces his ear on the doorpost leaves a piece of his flesh his earlobe on the door and wherever he goes people know that this man was a servant but loved his master more than his own freedom and became a bond servant and they see the marked ear hallelujah and so this is what god is saying are you really listening are you listening to gain your own freedom or are you listening to really want to serve him hallelujah i believe that's why you've tuned into this audio podcast today so those of us that are waiting listening at the doorpost hallelujah we have to be aware that those who sin against god injure themselves if you don't heed what's being said if you don't fear the Lord and hate evil, that you're actually going to injure yourself. God visits the obedience to a thousand generations, but to four generations, he visits the iniquity of the fathers. You love your children. You love your family. Come on, don't be guilty of spiritual child abuse. Don't be living a lifestyle that's going to cause God to visit the, your iniquity upon your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, so on, okay? So to get it together in this hour. Come on, hallelujah. You can do it. Jesus has given us all the keys. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us His Word. We can do it if we can focus on listening and obeying in this hour. Now it goes on in verse 36 and says, But he who sins against me injures himself, and all those who hate me love death. Interesting. Those who really hate God, it says here, love death. And the word, he who sins against me injures himself, is the same Hebrew word. We get the Arabic word, Hamas, the diabolical, demonized, terrorist organization in the West Bank, in the Gaza Strip, just a few kilometers from where I live, funded by the underworld, forces of the underworld, from the Prince of Persia, from Satan himself, Iran, funds this terrorist organization, this ruthless, demonized, serial mass murderers, okay, whose whole charter is hating God and loving death this is the spirit you're either hot or cold in this hour okay and so we're seeing these demonized forces manifest in these last days against the jewish people against the church and we need to wake up come on hallelujah and not give the devil place so we see here god is giving us a warning in the midst of this pre-genesis account of what the world was like before god created the world and the sons of men we see here this abnomish this uh Uh, admonishment excuse me to listen very carefully to what's being said why because what's being said here is in the context of a female voice wisdom okay in chapter 8 and she is at the gates she's at the entrances of the city she is there in the highways pleading to the young men not to be naive not just to hang out with their buddies not just go along with the bandwagon, with it's contemporary, but to be very careful of an enemy that's lurking. And this enemy is in chapter five and seven, which is the strange woman. It says in chapter five and verse two, that you may observe discretion, your lips may reserve knowledge for the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death Her steps lay hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now then, my son, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of your house. Lest you give your vigor to others, your years come to a cruel end. So it's very interesting that, uh, and you need to read this on your own private time right now, about proverbs chapter five okay what we see here is is two women personified under the anointing by solomon warning these young men warning us of this woman who her feet her very house she's unstable she's beautiful she speaks her her lips are smoother than oil her speech but her end is like wormwood she's sharp as a two-edged sword where have you heard that illustration before it's in hebrews chapter 4 that the word of god is sharper than a two-edged sword you know how many strong men and women have been brought down by the adulteress by this spirit of adultery now we're going today let's go ahead and title the message how to stay out of adultery Um, we're in uh, epidemic people talking about the swine flu and this virus and that virus i want to talk about the epidemic of adultery right now how to stay away from it how to fall keep from falling into it and the two types of adultery spiritual adultery and physical adultery and let's talk about it It, this is tough words for tough times that we're in let's go for it warriors okay so what we see here in the book of proverbs proverbs is not just these short little sayings that give you success okay that we memorize at the bottom of a, um, a religious calendars or you read some you know john maxwell book or some wisdom keys to living folks the book of proverbs doesn't even begin until chapter 10. so the first nine chapters of proverbs are not these short little pithy sayings of experiential knowledge the first nine chapters is about a trumpet call to wake up people to listen to beware of this very slippery path into destruction. And it's represented by the adulteress, okay? And there's a very, very strong warning here not to fall into the hands of the adulteress. In chapter five, uh, excuse me, chapter seven, it goes on, talks about um, this adulteress, this harlot, okay? Verse 11, she is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. And she goes on and starts talking, persuading this young man, flattering him. Verse 22, Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, one that fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the stair. so he does not know it, it will cost him his life. You talk to people over and over that have committed crimes, committed different sins, that have committed adultery, they wish they would never have done it. Okay? So the issue is not the fact that they've done it the issue is how do we keep people from doing it or repeating it because people don't fall into adultery people don't fall into sin people don't fall into spiritual idolatry and adultery overnight it is a process okay of not listening to the corrections of the word of god in verse 24 of chapter 7 says now therefore my son listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth do not let her, your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. So you're talking about a haunted house. You're talking about a, a Friday the 13th. You're talking about something that's gruesome and horror, horrifying. That is what's behind this spirit of adultery this is what is behind this adulterous woman this is what is behind the harlot this is what's behind the strange woman this is what's behind jezebel and the false prophetess this is what's behind the spirit of this world brothers and sisters is a unclean region of the damned is a place her house is the entrance to sheol the underworld her house is what's brought down many strong men. Don't think you're so strong. Whether men or women are listening, don't think you're so tough and you're so experienced you can stay away from this. You cannot play on a slippery creek bank and not fall into the river eventually. As they say, for I'm from hey, there in the Midwest. I tell you, I don't care how, how good of Nike tennis shoes you got on, okay, or waffle stompers, okay, you are going to fall into that st- Creek bed, if you play around on a slippery creek bank, you've got to stay away from this spirit. You've got to stay away from this temptation. You've got to stay away from this house of horrors. Okay. And so we're going to talk about how to do that today. We're going to talk about what's happening, uh, with many men and women of God that I've known personally that have fallen prey to this Jezebel adulterous system. And it's horrifying it's uh it's sad i weep inside i just got a phone call today from a dear friend in europe that's uh asked me if i knew a certain uh minister that i really really enjoyed being under his ministry 10-15 years ago in the states a great man of god great teaching great warrior really a really a, a true warrior of god and uh how he has fallen into adultery and uh it just it's it's horrifying it's it, it's horrifying now he's falling into adultery again and as we began to talk on the telephone with this minister you know we're just weeping in our hearts why because we're saying how can we stop this epidemic it's it's like every week every two or three weeks i'm hearing of another great man or woman of god falling into sin falling into adultery ruining their ministry ruining their family okay putting a blotch on themselves for a rest. I'm not saying God can't forgive him. I'm not saying, folks, come on, a good name is to be chosen rather than riches. Paul talks about buffeting his body, bruising it, lest he himself, after preaching others, be a castaway. You want to be a castaway? I don't want to be a castaway. Come on, folks, we're going to stand before Jesus one day. I want him to say, well done. I don't want him to say medium rare. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful. Enter in, come on. I want to run this race to win. let's talk about these things here. Um, This morning, on Monday morning, is my day to get up early in the morning, 5 a.m. Hallelujah. Spend time with Abba and then head down the street to where the special forces and the reservists I run with along the sand dunes, along a beautiful beach area. Uh, We usually try to put in on Monday 6 kilometer, 10 kilometer, depending on what the, the trainer wants to do that day for aerobic conditioning. And been doing this about a year, developing some great relationships. Uh, but I noticed this morning when I got up, uh, it was a little hard to get up. I noticed that I probably drank too much coffee the day before and didn't get enough sleep. Uh, maybe uh, too many nice, beautiful Israeli donuts. <laughs> maybe uh, I had too many bagels. Whatever it was, I just still I felt bloated. I felt loaded down. I felt tired. Uh, one reason why is because it had a very intense um, Saturday morning race with some ex-Navy SEALs. Um, they did a race on the beach, a 2,400-kilometer swim out there in the in the ocean, the Mediterranean, with the big waves, and it was kind of hard to uh, navigate with those big chops going on. And uh, I think there was just a lot of la- ac- lactic acid built up in the system from a very intense hour swim and race in the ocean. And so. Uh, coming Monday I was just a little groggy come on hallelujah you all know what I'm talking about a little groggy didn't want to get out of bed early um, getting a little chilly in the morning here in Israel this time of year and just wanted to sleep in fellowship with that pillow but I pulled myself out of bed and got in the auto and drove over to the the running area met up with the guys and uh, began to warm up and the trainer told us we're gonna be running all out maximum heart rate Um, six plus kilometers here we go and off we go trail running um, not even service payment you know some shifting sands rocks uh, just difficult to run on at times and to keep up a, a very strong pace and I remember coming around the corner and I was I thought I'd heard him say in Hebrew two laps but actually it had said three so I really pressed in on the second lap and was able to sprint toward the finish and he kind of smiled and said, well, I didn't say two laps, I said three. And I went, oh no. And I really expended myself. I didn't think I had it in me to run the third lap. So, jumped back in, into the mix and began to run the third lap. And I tell you, everything in me, even after you know being in the Olympics and seeing great success in triathlon and these other events, I did not want to run, folks. I was seeing, every, my mind was giving me every excuse why I should stop. My body was letting me know how how upset it was with the pain. My lungs were seared, felt like they were burning, my, my legs were burning, and everything just wanted to stop. But I knew that no matter how I felt, I knew that my mind can play tricks. I knew that my body has a certain comfort level and that I must run through it. Are you all listening to me? Come on, hallelujah. You can apply this to your own aerobic conditioning. You can apply this spiritually. And I decided, I'm, I don't care what I feel like. I'm going to push through. I'm going to finish. I'm going to set my face like Flint and run that last several kilometer lap. And as I did and I finished, I was so thankful. I was like, wow, I'm glad I finished. Hallelujah. And suddenly my body began to feel okay. And uh, I was able to go home, take a shower, eat some breakfast and feel great right now what what am i trying to say to you paul says in 1 corinthians chapter 9 it says verse 24 do not know those who run in a race all run but only one receives the prize run in such a way that you may win so paul is using the athletic olympic okay the marathon the feature of the summer olympic games okay in the ancient greek roman world as a way we can run spiritually Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games, exercises self-control in all things, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So Paul is talking not here about running the race to make it to heaven. He's about running the race to complete the mission of of the gospel hallelujah of getting the gospel out we're not talking today about saving your soul and trying to make it to heaven we're talking about you obeying god and the special ops your responsibility your sector responsibility he's called you on he wants you to finish the course hallelujah glory to god now the greek linguistic key people have asked me you know what's what do you read for the greek and the hebrew i'll make it real simple the hebrew there's a great series called the theological word book of the old testament It's a two-volume series. Gleason Archer is the editor. Uh, It's numbered to Strong's and Moody Press. You can look it up on the Internet. TWOT is the acronym. Theological Wordbook of the Old Testament. You can look up the word via the Strong's Numbers, okay, and find out the history of the word and find the context. It's a great study. Second is the linguistic key to the Greek New Testament. Rineker is the editor. Zonervan is the publisher. It's a great little hand tool to understand what the original tint was, the background of these words that Paul and the other writers of the New Testament use, glory to God. And so what Paul is saying here about exercising self-control in all things, okay, he emphasizes this endeavor of the athletes are in vain if they have not trained their body and abstain from anything that would harm them and their physical condition and running to win this prize. So what we see here is not just to run, not just to have a comfort level, but abstaining from things that you can win. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we're not just living here on earth and woe is me and I've got these problems and just trying to make it to heaven. We're here to conquer and subdue, to reign as military conquerors, hallelujah, as team as judges, as supernatural warriors, Glory to God, to do exploits in His name, and not just to sit around here and just try to make it to heaven. Come on, hallelujah. He wants us to abstain from certain things that we can finish this course, run this race, and obtain the prize. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And Paul is not speaking of agonizing for the prize for eternal life, but rather the goal of faithfully proclaiming the Gospels, I said a few minutes ago. Now notice here, Paul also uses the picture of a boxer, it says here in verse uh, 25, excuse me, verse 26, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way without not beating the air. Verse 27, I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I preach to others I myself be disqualified. Let's read that. what that means. Paul is saying, I buffet my body. I've not heard this preached by anybody. The actual word is I strike myself under the eye, I beat myself black and blue. I bruise my body. Now, look at this intensity. Look at this zeal. Look at this incredible focus that the Apostle Paul has writing to the Corinthian church, okay, telling them that I am running this race like an Olympic runner. And I am going to bruise my body. I am going to make myself black and blue that I may finish this course and win the prize. I've not heard about that preached before. Well, let's, just, let's, let's dig into it deeper. Paul is talking about not being disqualified. He's not talking about not making it to heaven. He's talking about being disqualified in this race. And it's interesting that the Greek word used here, disqualified, is use of metals or coins which were rejected for not standing the test. Okay, interesting. Now it says in Revelation, there is a test coming upon the earth. And uh, let's read that from the book of Revelation, this this beautiful day. Hallelujah. And it says here, I'm going to read from the book of Revelation in chapter 2. To the angel of the church at the after right, verse 18, the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet are like burnish bronze, says this, I know your deeds, I know your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance. Your deeds of later are greater than at first. But I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel. Isn't it interesting here that he says, I know your deeds, I know your love, faith, and service, and your perseverance, and your deeds of late are greater than at first. Have you noticed how a lot of believers are really highly motivated feed the poor, take care of orphans, take care of the widows, try to win the lost, try to affect politics in their region and nationally, uh, bless Israel, pro-Zionist, I mean, you name it, name it, and just really become um, very, so to speak, uh, productive in building up this edifice of Christian service. However, he says, verse 20, I have this against you, you tolerate the woman Jezebel. Interesting, isn't it? who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and leads my bond servants astray so they may commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed us. We'll come right back to that. And I gave her time to repent. She does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I'm going to cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her and great tribulation unless they repent of Her deeds, I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I'll give to every one of you according to your will. Now, it's interesting here, to their deeds, excuse me. So, and then it concludes here, uh, nevertheless I have, hold fast until I come and he who overcomes will keep my deeds and then to him I'll give authority over the nations. Now, you can read this, but I want to center in on this church here okay had deeds had love had service had perseverance they were greater than in the beginning they're progressing forward but he had this against and they tolerated this woman jezebel she not only was a prophetess okay but she was an adulterer bringing people into sexual immorality we know that means spiritual but also physical let's talk about this real quick um that she was leading the bond servants astray now we need to back up and find out where jezebel came from What was her strength of deception she brought into Israel and what Elijah was sent to expose, okay? First of all, Jezebel was a Syrophoenician area of the coastline of Tyre and Sidon, which is modern-day Lebanon. Um, She brought into the 10 tribes of Israel in the north that had rebelled against Judah and Jerusalem and came to build their own um, worship centers in Bethel and Dan, okay? Um, She brought a religion, a form of service which we call Baal or Baal worship. I've mentioned this many times before. You've got to get it into you. Baal or Baal means husband or master. Uh, he was known as the Canaanite storm god of the lightning, winds, and thunder. And so here we have an agricultural region that borders a desert, an arid area that is, needs rain Okay, for people to live. Uh, they don't have enough groundwater here to live, not enough streams and lakes to live. That's why we need rainfall. And so the rainfall comes um, and it brings the lightnings and the thunder. So Baal worship was very close to the Mosaic law, okay? Uh, But it didn't have the same stipulations. And so what she did, she brought in um, through her spiritual adultery, uh, she brought into Israel and Ahab had a marriage alliance with her and let her run away with her own prophets was this system of let's worship Baal because he'll bring the... Um, the rains, the crops will grow, prosperity will ensue, but we don't have the same stipulations of the law of Moses. So what is Baal worship today that Jezebel has made infiltrations into the community of faith in the church? Well, it's real simple. Baal worship is the promise of prosperity without the message of the cross. Baal worship is having a form of religion but denying the power of the rub Baal worship is asking god for prosperity and comfort okay and sustenance but not applying the cross to your personal life Baal worship is a comfort zone okay and god wants us to pierce that comfort zone right have you noticed how people just feel like what well, you know God loves me, he'll forgive me, I can do this. And they become a law to themselves, okay? They want the blessings of God. They want God to teach them. Uh, They want only a certain amount, but there's this secret alabaster box of defiance in the heart of man that many never open up and allow God to deal with. Why? It's because that is their idolatry. I only want to seek the hand of God and not his face. And they commit spiritual adultery. They become a friend of the world and therefore an enemy of God, it says in James 4. We'll get back to that in just a moment, okay? We're talking today about how to flee from adultery. And there's connotation spiritual and physical here, so don't uh, get too caught up in trying to identify exactly what is adultery in the natural and what is it in the spirit. They overlap. And the overlapping begins with this. Number one, uh, this woman, Jezebel, she not only was somebody who was beautiful, who enchanted King Ahab, who he allowed her to bring in this false system of worship, which was prosperity without the message of the cross, um, but also she was spiritual. She was ruthless. She was uh, quite a motivator and a controller. And so to identify Jezebel, the false prophetess in our myths, we must je- first identify what are the prophets that are prophesying in her court. And these are the prophets of Baal. And so God sends Elijah. Isn't it funny? You know, to me, I think it's kind of tragic that we sing these songs, these are the days of Elijah. And people think it's a nice, happy tune. It's not a happy tune. The days of Elijah are famine no rain, starvation, bloated dead bodies on the streets, fields f- with fallow, with no produce, like Ethiopia or Somalia, okay, in famine. This are the days of Elijah. The first, Elijah was sent into this system, okay, and he went, I'd, right out my window, I can see where he was sent, okay, Shechem, Nabalus, and he was sent to the seat of Samaria and he prophesied it. It's not going to rain. And it did not rain for three and a half years. There was famine, people dying left and right, okay? And he then challenges his Baal system. Let the God, who's the real God of Israel, answer by fire. They go to Mount Carmel and have that Mount Carmel showdown. You can read about that, okay? But it's in this midst, okay, there were 7,000 that did not bow the knee to Jezebel, this bell system, or kiss him on the lips, God told Elijah. Now, let's back up. I believe, brothers and sisters, that if we can identify our enemy, identify the deception, that we can take evasive maneuvers and miss the greatest falling away, the greatest apostasy that is now descending upon planet earth and bring glory to his name, sustain ourselves in a time of famine, be on fire and take on the prophets of Baal. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And run this thing through and prepare for the second coming of the Messiah, Jesus. Hallelujah. As a voice crying in the wilderness. What a a greater opportunity. Hallelujah. To be in that same drafting experience as John the Baptist was, a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the second coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. And folks, I am right here. I am just a few minutes away from Armageddon. I can see the hill country. I can see the, the Sebastians of evil, of Islam. I'm right here in the major population center of Israel. I'm not too far from Jerusalem. I'm just an hour away from the desert. Folks, we're right here in the midst of it all. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you can feel things heating up. I got a, a phone call last night from a dear sister um, and her husband that were in uh, Warsaw and then went to another city in Poland to the Auschwitz concentration camp. She did not want to go there. And she was there, and she was just just horrified at the place where the trains would stop as they would disembark their human cargo. And millions went to their death there in the gas chambers, okay? And she stood there weeping. And suddenly, out of the tunnels where the trains would go into into Auschwitz concentration camp, out of the tunnels came all these Israeli youth, carrying Israeli flags. They were there on a tour, a solidarity trip. And she just began to weep and got so excited. Hallelujah. It's like a sign of out of the ashes of the Holocaust, God gave birth to the Jewish nation. Hallelujah. And she began to talk to all these young people and found out they just live right down the street from us. And she began to share the gospel with them. Hallelujah. And she said, all these young kids, especially the young teenagers that are going to the army next year here, all had this question. What about Gog and Magog? We've heard about Armageddon. Tell us about it. You see, brothers and sisters, it's on our minds here. This Ezekiel war, this future Armageddon war, we know it's here. We see the signs of the times. So, you sitting in your living room or with your iPhone in your car or whatever, you're out running, you're jogging, you're in the store, okay? You're in your office, you're commuting. Wherever you may be in Europe or America or around the world right now, listen to the, what's being said. Listen to the trumpet blast. Hallelujah. Coming through this podcast, we got to wake up. It's nine We've got to prepare for war. And so we see here this Jezebel spirit, this woman, this adulterer, who as a prophetess, okay, she was leading God's bondservants astray into immorality, okay, and she was doing it not because she's just coming up and, you know, it's very difficult to get a bond servant to leave his master. They fight to the death. So they have to come in camouflaged. And what she came in camouflaged with was this promise of prosperity, this promise of gold and silver, this promise of, you know, having a less, uh, a more comfortable way of serving God. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Sounds like all those destiny, feel good messages you hear on Sunday morning all around North America right now okay now we you've got your comfort zone is your worst enemy in this situation during temptation do not look for comfort run the race buffet your body bruise yourself hallelujah so you'll not be cast away again let's use the example of running this morning uh, uh, here i am running and I'm, I'm up against the wall physically. I'm up aerobically. For whatever reason, my body, my metabolism does not want to run this morning. And I pressed against what my mind felt. I pressed through. I, I surged past the pain level, okay? And the uh, paranoia that my mind was signaling to me to stop running, okay? And pressed through that wall. We call it in running, and was able to come through the other side, had to leave, with no problems at all. And I believe that's what's happened. We've got to press through our comfort zone. And the reason men and women fall into adultery is because they feel like, well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I need a release. Uh, I want to feel good. Uh, it'll be okay. God will forgive me. Uh, and, you know, it's crazy. It's almost you get seduced. You get into this place where you think a, a delusion, you think God is going to forgive you, you think it's going to be okay. Folks, you know, there is a, a Hebrew word called achariyamim, used by Jeremiah, which is consider your latter ending. Meaning, the reason a person doesn't go out and rob a bank or kidnap somebody, whatever, is because they don't, they, there's a built-in fear of the law that they'll spend 25 years or life in prison. Okay? And that fear of that retribution is what keeps most people from committing those atrocities. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. You know, how many people, how many men and women, you know, if they had known what was going to happen to their families and their children, okay, and their reputation or their name or whatever, if they did this and they were able to fast forward and look three or four years ahead, most of them would never have committed that sin, never would have committed that adultery. And so there is a built-in fear of the law of recommends it's called the fear of the Lord and we don't have enough fear of the Lord being preached right now we don't have enough people hearing the consequences okay they're going to face of their actions and brothers and sisters if you're a minister if you work in a local church a fellowship whatever it's time to start warning people what's going to happen, okay? Yeah, you're not going to make a lot of friends, but you're going to have friendship of heaven, the friendship of God. It's time to lift up your your mouth like a trumpet and declare to the people their sins. Declare to them, you cannot keep on living this lifestyle, okay? Now, let's back up again to adultery. Uh, Men and women that commit adultery that are believers, don't do it overnight, okay? It is a slow process, a slow, little by little, Line upon line, where they begin to no longer fear God, or they get angry of God, or they get disillusioned, they don't stay on the cutting edge of faith their word level drops, their prayer time, their fellowship with the Lord. They begin to slowly move away from the light into darkness. They begin to fantasize that, oh, I've, you know, it's always the victim mentality. Oh, you know, my wife or husband treat me in a bad way and this, and I I don't feel, you know, I need love. And they start looking for love in all the wrong places. They look for acceptance, okay? And they come to a place where under a grace-heavy message, well, God will forgive me. God is good all the time. God is good. And they don't understand that they're being seduced by the spirit of this world, by this strange woman or man. They're being led into a strange person's house, and the portal to that house is the entrance into the damned into the regions of the Dan and how many strong men, how many men of God have fallen and women in this hour to this spirit and wished they could recover themselves. You can't recover yourself. That's it. Once you make the decision as a Levite and not to keep your Levites on, that's it. Every sin, the Bible says, is outside the body. But he who commits adultery, okay, sins against his own temple, It's a different classification of sin that Paul talks about in Corinthians, okay? And God wants a pure vessel. And this has such connotations, such parallels to spiritual adultery in this hour. So let's, again, let's examine some of the stuff that is happening here. First of all, um, go with me to the book of James now those may be thinking well scott you know it's great you are preaching fine about this and teaching or whatever but how are you living well i just want you to know that i don't have wandering eyes for other women i'm like job i made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon another woman number two um i'm not interested in another woman i'm not fantasizing i'm not having problems okay i don't have a sexual hang-up i don't download pornography or questionable content onto my computer. You can feel free to come to my house and look what I, what we view on Israeli TV as I'm trying to learn Hebrew. Uh, you can look at my computer, my hard drive. You can look and see what cookies and what places I visited. You can go through if you want, hang out with me a while, and you're going to find out how I live. And what is the motivating factor in me is number one, I want to please Him. Hallelujah. Number two, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I have crossed the line in my heart. I have made a circumcision that I will not commit adultery. I will not download pornography. Why? Because there's pleasure in sin, okay, but it only lasts for a season. You want that lower pleasure? But if you get in the higher pleasure of God, hallelujah, it cancels out the lower pleasure of sin and how you counsel out that lower pleasure of sin and first of all you love god you don't want to grieve his spirit okay number two um there's a built-in fear of the lord that if i may i do this what will be the outcome upon my children my wife and my family in the days ahead okay there's a built-in fear of the lord i Yamim, consider your ladder in there's also you know bringing re, uh reproach in the ministry. Look at all the people that would stumble, all the people that follow our ministry, that draft with us. Look how they would be disillusioned, disappointed, maybe even backslide if they see me drop the battle banner right now and fall into sin. Okay? And next, which is another uh, healthy fear aspect, is I don't want the enemy to gain control. I don't want a demon to come in with seven worse. I do not want the enemy to have control over me. I guarantee you, a lot of these pastors and ministers that are falling into sin... Come on, these are strong revivalists that I know personally that are falling to sin, okay? They should come over here and I'll take them over here along the West Bank, which is just a few kilometers from my house and, 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 and just do some counterterrorism runs. I guarantee you, they'll, have, they'll live in the fear of the Lord, okay? Or they won't even want to do it because there's a built-in fear. You don't go into an area, okay, unarmed. The police are afraid to go into these areas I'm talking about. They send the army in, instead why because they are afraid of these roving terrorist gangs well you're going to be afraid if you don't have the weapons if you don't have your armor on come on folks are you with me out there come on wake up right now hallelujah do you want demons to torment you do you want seven worse to come inside of you do you want to have uh the enemy to have a, a stronghold a place in your life you need God to open up the spirit realm to show you these ugly demon, these fallen entities, these spirits, okay, that are trying to pull you and your family into hell. I think if you had a real revelation of what hell is like, I think you wouldn't want to give place to hell. Amen. You wouldn't want to fall into fits of anger and all these other things and give place to the enemy. So then this is a healthy fear. I do not want to give place to the enemy because we have done so much damage to his kingdom and rescued so many MIAs in his concentration camps of sin that he would love to take us down. He would love to send a strange woman. He would love to get me to fall into a place of adultery. He would love to get me into a place of mismanagement of funds. He would love to get me into a place of worldliness, okay, or frustration. But folks, guess what? He ain't going to do it. Because I'm not ignorant to his schemes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, look over here before we read James here. We're talking again how to stay out of adultery. And it says over here in 2 Timothy, in chapter 2, the final words that Paul speaks to Timothy. And he says here in verse 26, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So a snare is something that's covered up, a bear trap or whatever. Covered up, and you don't know what's there. The enemy set it there just for you. He wants to take you out. Okay, we have to come to our senses. We have to be sober. We have to wake up. We have to listen and escape these camouflage traps the enemy has set for you. Now, how do we do that? Well, the enemy comes in and holds you captive. Okay, first of all, what he does, he dupes you by evil influences. That's why I'm a big one about. Abstaining from certain forms, if not most of entertainment. Entertainment enters in to attain you. Science fiction, the occult, uh, sports and action movies, and all this other stuff. There's stuff out there, folks, that's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And if you continue to have an input of evil into your life, you're going to be duped by it. You want to be duped? I mean, come on, ladies. I know these, I watch these Jewish ladies there. And they go shopping, and they want to make sure they're not going to be ripped off, okay? How do you feel when you're taking your car to an auto mechanic, and he's charging you all these things, okay? And you feel like, well, has this guy ever been, what's his record in the business, better business program? Am I getting ripped off here? Come on. Well, that's the same thing. Is the devil ripping you off right now? Have you been duped? By evil influences. Are you being paralyzed? Are you being hypnotized by evil influences, by TV and the internet, okay? By movies, by friends who are not on fire, by the influence of this world. You need to wake up and come out of this trap. Come on. Don't be put asleep by Delilah of this world. Now, how does the enemy dupe us by evil influences? Number one, he numbs the conscience. He wants to numb your conscience that you have no more conviction of what is right and wrong. Come on, ladies. If you really love God, you're going to let your husband sit there and watch certain things there in the house and just go along with it. Come on. Come on. I know World War III will break out with your children if you start confronting them about what they're watching on the internet. But who cares? Who cares? I would rather have war, okay, for what is right than to be tranquilized by evil influences and watch the devil, devil slowly paralyze my family in a spider web of deception and slowly suck the life out of them okay come on folks it's time to wake up he comes to numb the conscience he wants to keep on sending evil influences and bombarding you until you come to a place that you give in to this okay his name is De Balo. D is to make inroads. Balo is to throw something. He makes inroads by throwing suggestions, throwing temptations, entertainment, the ways of this world system, this adulterous spiritual system, God says in James 4, to numb your conscience that you no longer have a pure conscience. You no longer have a bar to determine what is evil and what is good. The second things he does is confuse your senses. Okay. All right? And then he's gonna start confusing your senses, Well it's not that bad. And he's gonna start saying to you, Well it's not that bad. You deserve this. You know, your wife or your husband's not meeting your needs. Or you have worked hard and this and this and, and began to confuse the very foundations of the Mosaic Law, you should come and commit adultery. Come on, folks. The very foundations of the law, he starts to skew, because your conscience has become numb by evil influences, and now your senses are confused, okay? Your senses start playing tricks with you. That's what I was trying to tell you today. When I was running this uh, training session with these um, certain elite forces and reservists, and my my mind started playing games with me, saying, you can't do it. I said, wait a minute. I started thinking to myself, what do you mean? This is only six kilometers this morning. I can, I have no problem running a half, a, an Iron Man or an Iron Man. 22 kilometer distance, okay? 40 something kilometer distance. I just ran last week, okay, 20 plus kilometers. I'm not here trying to put a medal on my shoulder. Come on, folks. I'm just trying to give you an example. And it was no problem. Here I'm just running this under 30 minutes and my body's playing games with me. My mind. Okay, it's telling me, confusing me, saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. Shut it down. It's too much pain. And you have to press through. Your senses will lie to you. The things that you, we see are temporal, brothers and sisters. They're subject to change. The things unseen are the ones that, things that do not change. It's the eternal glory realm. So don't let your senses, just because you feel comfortable. Isn't it funny some days, you know, some days I feel the worst, and it turns out to be the best training session. Have you ever experienced that? You get to go to the gym and say, "Oh man, I don't feel like swimming today. I don't feel like getting on that treadmill, but I gotta do it because you know I'm got this goal." And you end up doing it, and you feel so great afterwards, saying, "Man, my, my mind was playing tricks on me. That thing is lazy. That lazy dog. You know that lower nature inside of me, those animal instincts. That lazy dog just wants to sit around and eat, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme, and just wants to sit around and just talk and schmooze and be entertained." And come on, folks, pull that thing up, gird your loins for action, gird your minds for, for this war that's at hand, hallelujah, and don't let your senses confuse you. And the last thing the enemy does when you've been duped by evil influences, your conscience is known, your senses are confused, he paralyzes the will. And that is the problem. Many people, if they were in their right minds, if they, if they really understood what they're about to do, would not commit that. Adultery would not commit that fornication, would not commit that um, masturbation, would not download that pornography, would not lust in their eyes and heart after other women, okay, or men. They would realize, dear God, that evil woman is after me. I must be doing something right for God. Hallelujah. Now, let's take this to spiritual adultery. And it says here, in the book of James, the book of James, chapter 3, it says here, verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 4. You adulteresses, do you, he's writing to spiritual Christians here. You adulteresses do not know that friendship with the world is hostility with God. Therefore, who wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You think the scriptures speak to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Interesting, isn't it? Notice here, it says here, be miserable, mourn, and weep. But your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy into gloom. Isn't it interesting that so many ministers and ministries and people I know that were in the joy revival uh, and, and refused to... Uh, they only want joy all the time and laughter all the time that there is they would call us religious if if we wanted to move into godly sorrow or mourning or weeping, okay, and look at them now. look how many of them have fallen into sin and adultery and have brought shame to the glorious name of Jesus, brought shame to the ministry, have caused many younger believers to stumble, have caused their children to be bummed out and upset with with, with, with uh, ministry and even with God. Look at all the consequences that have happened because ministries want to keep the pews filled with a tithing base of people and they can do it by entertaining the people and making them feel good and happy. And and I guarantee what, Derek, you will cause lukewarm people to run away from you if at times you move into Jeremiah lamentation anointing and weeping and mourning. But the Bible says right here, to humble ourselves, to weep and mourn. What's so wrong with that? Come on, hallelujah. What's wrong to break up our fallow ground? Now, it's interesting here that it says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, this adulterous woman, this Jezebel system, this false prophetic, this uh, soothsaying, this uh, immorality that's come after God's bondservants and handmaidens. we can submit to God. And resist the devil, and the devil will run from us in terror. Now, look how we can do that. What does it mean to submit to God? Well, it says in verse 4, You adulterers do not know that friendship of the world is hostility to God. Listen, the world is not our friend. Okay? The enemy is the God of this world system. Okay? This is not our home. If you want to be a friend of the world, you're going to be an enemy of God. That's it, bottom line. And if you're an enemy of God, you're my enemy. Okay? Because I want to be a friend of God. Now it goes on, and if you're a friend of God, you're my friend, hallelujah. That's that simple line, that's it. Now, therefore, who worships me, a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy of God. You don't think the scripture speaks to no purpose. He jealously desires the spirit he has made to dwell in us. Now you think about, wherever is that scripture? It says the scripture speaks to no purpose. What scripture is he talking about? Well, Exodus 34 and verse 14, I'll read it to you for the sake of time here. Exodus 34, 14, for those taking notes. I hope you guys are not just listening to these podcasts, but you're going home and getting your Bibles open and studying some stuff out here. Hallelujah. Now, it's interesting here that 34 and verse 14 of Exodus says, You shall not worship any other God. The Lord, whose, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. He is a jealous God. And it says here, he jealously desires the spirit he has made to dwell in us. the margin of my New American Standard, in James 4 and verse 5 says, the spirit which he has made to dwell in us jealously desires us. Whoa, 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 whoa. You see it. God warns us over and over, have no idols in your life. Stay away from adultery. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay? And this world system is the number one idol. And the way we can submit to God, resist the devil, and he runs from us. I like it when the devil runs from us. Don't you like it? I love it. I love when the enemy is on the run. We can put the enemy on the run by doing this. The spirit which he has made to dwell in us, jealousy desires us. The spirit, the bridal spirit, the Holy Spirit that brought us into holy matrimony. Hallelujah. That we became, hallelujah, the church the bride of Messiah, so to speak. We became, glory to God, uh, enthralled with him. The song of song experience, where we became born again. He, hallelujah, he is our lover. He is our everything. Glory to God. This imagery used of husband and wife and uh, is the only, only picture we have of, of Messiah and the church. And he puts inside of us, when we become one with the Lord, we receive his Holy Spirit and that spirit jealously desires us And when we start to move away from that jealous desire, we give place to the devil. When we yield to the jealous desire he has for us, that he wants everything about us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And we open up our hearts and remove any places of secret defiance against him. Hallelujah. Woo! That we therefore put ourselves in a position where the enemy can't touch us. Where Jezebel can't seduce us. Where this system can't confuse our, sense, our senses, hallelujah, and paralyze our will. We become in a strategic place, not just a friend of God, have acceptance of God. We become these end-time warriors that put the enemy on the run. Glory to God, hallelujah. And we can submit to this. And those who don't submit to this jealous love, the Bible says here, is pride. Now, brothers and sisters, this is, this is, this is all deep and this is all great But there must be a warning as we conclude this podcast with you today. And it's in 2 Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians, we see in chapter 2 that there is apostasy, verse 3. And that then there is this Antichrist system, this lawless one, the false prophetic with signs and wonders that's raised up. And then we see in verse 10. Not just the coming of the activity of Satan and all power, signs, and false wonders. We also see here that there is um, a lack of agape love for the truth. Now, I've written about this extensively in my second book called The Mystery of Lawlessness. You can go to our website and go to the resource page. You can download it in a PDF file, give an offering to the ministry for this. And I want to warn you guys today, okay, because people think they can just get it by with sin, get it by with adultery, and God will forgive them. And I don't see that in the Bible, brothers and sisters. I mean, yes, there is grace, and God can forgive, but I don't see this, this absolute, con, absolute condition of God's grace that everybody will be forgiven. I see the opposite. I see here in the last days that if you don't have a love, Jesus said the first thing that happens is the agape, the love of the truth begins to grow cold on people's lives, Matthew 24. So a false prophet, let no man deceive you. And the, ne- and the number one thing that people falling away into the false prophetic, into this mythical Jezebel system, okay, is because the love, the agape of the truth grows cold. Now it says in verse 10, that they did not receive the love of the truth so to be safe. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. They may believe what is false. Wow. And that is the last part of the warning to you today. It's called the synergism of error. Um, Synergism is two opposing forces that working together bring out a greater sum than if they were not working together. There's a synergy. There's a synergism of what God has allowed to happen on planet Earth, with the rise of the Antichrist, the rise of the false prophet, the rise of all that we see that's happening, that even the Israelis, the young people, are seeing this thing moving toward Gog, Magog, Armageddon-type scenario. Okay? We see the rise of the occult. We see the rise of all the false religions and the false prophets. But we also have to see that there is another side that's rising up, and it's not the work of the devil. It's the work of God himself, and he is sending an activity of error. The Greek word for activity is where we get the word of energy. Okay? Let me just read this to you. It's uh, on page 33 of our book. It says right here, um, wow, there's so much here. Let me just read it to you on page 32. The mystery of lawlessness. First of all, I've been commissioned by the Holy Spirit to give a very serious shofar trumpet warning. This is the urgent message we have heard from heaven and now proclaiming to you. The mystery of lawlessness that is in operation in the earth today is not and will not be suppressed by the Holy Spirit like he is currently suppressing the man of lawlessness. The reason for this is that a component of this mystery has been initiated by God himself. Not that God condones or fosters iniquity, but he has commissioned a move of a mysterious activity of error to come upon people who do not love the truth and thus he is accelerating for his own sovereign plans the final destruction, removing of all workings of the devil in his last days. Let's examine the preceding statement with the rest of Paul's exhortation in St. Thessalonians 2 Corinthians 2, 9-12. That is, the one who is coming in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence an activity of error that they may believe what is false, or they may all be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Notice in these verses that there are two separate outpourings of spiritual power within this unfolding drama of apostasy. The first one is the false power being displayed by the activity of Satan. That is the heightened but limited dark power of deceptive signs and wonders the enemy is displaying in these last days to ensnare those who have one common denominator in their hearts, which is, they do not love the truth, but rather take pleasure in wickedness. You've got to break open your heart, brothers and sisters, and find out what gives you pleasure. You've got to be brutally honest with yourself and with God today. What truly gives me pleasure? Is it being a law to myself? Is it my own self-derived pleasures I find? Or is it Him? And that goes on and says here, People that do not love the truth, but rather take pleasure in wickedness, the Greek words used here by Paul for this false power is dunamis, and the word for activity of Satan is Energia. However, the second spiritual outpouring within this activity of lawlessness has nothing to do with the powers of the enemy. It is a deluding influence sent not by the devil, but rather dreadfully by God himself. The Greek word used here for deluding is plena, which is the same word used by the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Peter to describe being deceived. But paul adds in a second greek word here influence which is again a repetition of the word energeia or energy this word in the new testament is only used of superhuman powers whether it be god or the devil wow the synergism of error what the holy spirit is profoundly saying to us in these scriptures is that even in the midst of all this activity deceptive powers being released by the enemy in these last days, that God Himself is also sending a deluding activity of error. This activity of error is so strong and deluding that even Paul uses the Greek word to describe superhuman powers that cannot be overcome and resisted by mortal man. This is the synergism of error that will cause humans who take pleasure in wickedness to believe the lie. Webster's Dictionary says, Synergism is the simultaneous action of two separate agencies working together, having a greater total effect than the sum of their individual effects. This is absolutely a dreadful scenario of divine judgment, brothers and sisters, and will most likely up in most people's theological apple carts. The Apostle Paul is warning us here that God is going to send an outpouring of superhuman power of error that cannot be resisted by humans, who do not love the truth. Those who are only a law to themselves and have no other guide in their conscience except their own self-service lifestyles will be swept away into the most colossal apostasy human history has ever witnessed. It cannot be resisted. There is no place to hide from his exposing light of judgment. He is pouring out his Spirit upon all flesh. It is a rain of blessings from heaven to the honest, but an activity of delusion to those who deliberately are dishonest and suppress the truth, and take pleasure in wickedness. Whew. Brothers and sisters, this is heavy. i preached my heart out to you today. Let's recap, and let's take evasive action right now. I'm pleading with you, because of our um, website, our over 30 years of ministry, the places we've been, and the people we know, and the pastors we know. Ice and the amount of traffic, the website, and the emails I get, and the connections with different men and women of God we have throughout the planet. I may be hearing more of it than you personally do, but I am going to tell you that some of the strongest warriors I've ever known for God. But this is... The greatest apostasy ever seen upon planet Earth happening right now. Brothers and sisters, let's wake up to it. Come on, wake up. If you're listening, you got to take evasive action. Don't you fear God? Don't you hate evil? Don't you want the best for your family? Don't you want to glorify God? Don't you want not to give place to the devil? Then what are you doing entertaining Yourself with questionable entertainment content, surrounding yourself with evil influences. Why? What are you doing falling asleep right now spiritually? Dear God, wake up. Listen. Have ears. Hear what's happening. Don't think you know it all. Come on, wake up. You can't. There there is an activity of error that God is sending upon those who don't love the truth. And the people that do not love the truth are the people that are listening and entertaining this strange woman that are naïve. Okay, nobody in their right mind would do this if they had known the recourse and repercussions of their actions. But people feel, are moving by their emotions, moving by what feels good in their flesh, okay, by the pleasures of sin more than the pleasures of obeying God. Brothers and sisters, even as I am preaching this, my computer is trying to stop the recording. (laughs) must be too much... Holy Ghost Convection flowing through the Internet right now. Hallelujah. Anyway, I'm just teasing. Who knows? Maybe things are getting shaken up. Hallelujah. By the demons through the www, the Internet, the 666. Now, this is what I'm trying to get at. You've got to wake up. Don't throw your life to the devil. Don't throw your family out there to the wolves wake up. Come on, that momentary pleasure of sin. is not worth it if you download that pornography. It's not worth it to have wondering eyes. It's not worth it to fantasize. It's not worth it to, to, to leave your husband or your wife. It's not worth it if you're single to live a, a, a fornication type lifestyle. It's not worth it. You're that fire. You're taking strange fire. You're drinking water from another will. It's an evil woman. And if you saw what's behind her, it is Satan himself. It is coming in the form of a, of a, of a seducing witch named Jezebel, who has brought down many strong and mighty men before. And now they're falling like never before. And because many people are not repenting, and it's reached a climax at this time that God Himself in His sovereignty is sending a synergy, synergism of error. That's all I can say to, to describe this tremendous amounts of adultery. The plethora of falling away that I'm seeing right now is that God Himself is judging His church. He is pouring out a delusion, an activity of error on people who do not love the absolute truth of God's Word. And He's removing the lukewarm from his myth, separating the hot from the cold. He's separating those who love him and those who love the world. So if you're hearing the sound of the voice, if you made it through this hour plus of this podcast, don't throw away what you've heard. Oh, I plead with you. I beg with you. Repent. I plead with you. Return to your first love. Yield to his jealous longing. He wants all of you. Come on. Hallelujah. Forget about your comfort zone. Forget about what's comfortable, what feels good for you. Obey him who loves you, who made the way for you. He's given you his spirit. There's no temptation that has overtaken you, such as common man, but he'll give you the way of escape. And what is the way of escape? It's the fear of him. It's the hatred of evil. It's the achariyamim. What will be the result of what you're about to do? Hallelujah. Yield yourself to his presence. Yield yourself. Fall upon the rock, lest the rock fall upon you. Don't let this stuff grab a hold of you. Begin to take the symbolism and the illustration of running, of a boxer, of a hardworking farmer, of a soldier that Paul uses, and begin to buffet your body. Begin to move into a place of subduing your lower nature. It's incredible. Buffet, bruise your body, lest you be a castaway. Come on, brothers and sisters. We live 80, 90, 100 years on earth. What's that compared to eternity? It's a vapor. What we do now will determine our position, rank, and authority in heaven forever. Come on. Lay it for yourselves, treasures in heaven. Make the wise investment right now to fear God and to hate evil. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Father, for people listening. People recovering themselves from the snare of the devil. I thank you for using this broadcast to blow out the cobwebs of deception, to blow out the lethargy, to blow out the insol- blow out the deception and the slumber that's wooed your people and is wooing your people by the evil strange woman. I speak to the young men and women. Wake up, don't be naive. Come to the wise woman's house. Fear the Lord in this hour. It may not feel good to your flesh, but it's the way of life. It's the pathway of life. Flee every appearance of evil. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't yield to your flesh. Don't yield to those hormones. Come on, brothers and sisters. Yield to his spirit wind. And if you're having a hard time, then buffet your body. Glory to God. More than just taking a cold shower. Go out running and buffet yourself. Burn those calories doing something else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Return to your first love. And you'll come to a place, hallelujah, that you'll feel his armor on you. You feel the enemy and his ruthless attacks against you have suddenly evaporated and he's run away. Now you will feel the authority, hallelujah, to do holy rampage through his kingdom and to rescue the same people. Yet if you don't listen, you run the risk of being deluded by God himself. Cry out, God, don't let me be deceived by your activity of error. I want to run this race. I want to win. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the grace to hear and respond in this hour. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Brothers and sisters, we love you. I pray God's richest blessings upon you I pray that you have ears to hear. Hallelujah. Do keep in touch with us. Go to our homepage on a daily basis. You'll see the updates I'm putting on the page, what's happening here. Uh, It's very exciting. The fishing for men, glory to God. We've been informed by the owner next door that he wants to sell the land. We need to build out a training center. We're raising uh, the the need right now for the glory. is $119,000 as this date. Um, Those who... Can give five hundred, can give a thousand, can give ten dollars, whatever, it doesn't matter. So generously, hallelujah, for Israel's salvation. And we can continue to preach this message into the church. Glory to God. Buy this land, build out a training center. Time is short, brothers and sisters. What an awesome job. Um many of our partners have been sowing and giving and we just love you guys. Again, get this message out. Warn the people. I you know, some people just are not speaking out against adultery and sexual sin in the church because they themselves know they'd be hypocrites if they did it. Well, I'm just to let you know I'm walking right with the Lord. I'm walking pure, and I'm not afraid to tackle a very tough subject and get it out there to keep people from being deluded and deceived by Jezebel and this strange woman in this hour. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mmm, nothing like the smell of Holy Ghost napalm in the morning. Give him heaven. Talk to you soon. Shalom, shalom. Being a part of rivers in the desert international listening to our message today to you perhaps you have a friend perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering where would I go if I died today we'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah the Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus they would be saved the Greek word for saved is healed delivered it's a wonderful promise you're there now in your automobile perhaps at home listening Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they'd be saved. I'm calling today, Lord, save me, forgive me, cleanse me, take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America.